0: Thanks for joining me here on conversations for yoga teachers i'm your host karen fabian the founder of bare bones yoga i'm an experienced registered yoga teacher with over 15 years of teaching experience a certified personal trainer and an entrepreneur my mission is this to help you develop into a purpose-driven confident yoga teacher one who truly understands anatomy and how to share it clearly and confidently so that you can help your students learn and as a result, grow your impact and connection. I strongly support and value the uniqueness of all individuals and provide a safe community where diversity is embraced. Through my mentorship and signature program called the Blueprint Learning Program, I help yoga teachers build their skills in the area of learning anatomy and along with that, help them learn important business skills and personal development ways of being that will transform them into purpose-driven teachers who make a big impact on the podcast here you'll get a blend of both anatomy learning stories from teachers interviews with others in the field and a dose of personal development for more information and to get on the wait list for any of my programs see my website barebonesyoga.com Hi, everybody. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 209. So this is just a brief intro because we're going to go from this brief intro into an interview with my fabulous guest, Lisa Marie Rankin. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about her in a moment. I just want to let you know, before we get into my conversation with Lisa, that next week, which is the week of October 16th, I am going to be offering another free workshop. I like to do these at least once a month. And this time, for the first time ever, one of the sessions is on a Saturday. And I'm intentionally doing that in the hopes that it allows more of you to be able to show up live because it's not during the work week. So next week on October 20th, which is a Thursday or the 22nd, which is a Saturday, join me for a free workshop. I'm going to be covering the anatomy reasons behind the cues, and I'm going to cover it from the perspective of giving you a formula that you can use to better understand the anatomy reason or rationale behind some of the cues that you might hear and maybe even some of the cues that you're using that if someone were to ask you, why are you asking me to squeeze my glutes and bridge pose? Or why are you asking me to press back through my heel in half moon? You would actually be able to answer that question. And believe me, friends, even if no one ever asks you a question, understanding the why behind the cue is one of the major keys to building your confidence as a teacher, because let's face it, if you're just standing there, repeating a bunch of cues you were told to say, or repeating a bunch of cues that you swiped from other classes, other teachers, social media, YouTube, whatever it is, it's not a very empowering experience to teach from that space. So when you come to my workshop on the 20th or the 22nd, I'm going to walk you through a formula so you can better understand the why behind a cue you hear or a cue you're using. And then I'm going to break down the cues for sun salutations, leaning heavily into anatomy-based cues and using the skeleton, showing you the muscles involved in sun salutations and how you can easily use not only action cues, but anatomy-based cues without overwhelming your students And for you really understanding the anatomy behind those cues. So those are the things you're going to walk away with when you come to my workshop. So to sign up, just go to my website, go to the events page, the link is right there. My website is barebonesyoga.com. So for today's episode, I have a really fun uh, story to start it out with. And the content is really extraordinary. I, um, many, many years ago, not many, many years ago, but many years ago, I taught yoga for Baron Baptiste, and one of the people that came to my classes is our guest today, and because we're both in the same entrepreneurial group and have a relationship with the same business mentor... Fast forward to a couple of weeks ago, she contacted me because she saw my name pop up in our Facebook group for entrepreneurs. She said, Hey, Karen, is that you? I used to come to your yoga classes. So long story short, we reconnected after, I mean, oh my gosh, eight, 15, 16 years. It's really been extraordinary. And she lives 15 minutes from me. So it really took connecting out in the ether to bring it all back home to connecting with her. And, and now knowing that we're, we're reconnected and we live still in the same area and there's opportunities for us to to connect in person going forward. So as it turns out, she is also a yoga teacher and she has a background in Ayurvedic medicine and she, um, coaches, people on how to implement Ayurvedic techniques into their health and wellness routines. And she also has a passion for sharing lessons from the goddesses. And so she has a book out. We're going to talk on this episode about lessons from the goddesses that we all can lean into to really understand how we can make positive changes in our lives, being guided by these really timeless um. Uh, lessons that come from these spiritual archetypes so I don't want to go into too much uh, about what we're going to talk about here other than to say it's fascinating it's interesting it's empowering and you'll really walk away from this episode with some tangible things that you can do in your life to really up level your way of being the way you feel and the way you look out at the world because the two of us with similar backgrounds get into some interesting conversation here all spontaneously generated, which I love when I meet with people. It's all spontaneous. And I really love how this one turned out. I'll also just reiterate, you'll hear this at the end of the episode, Lisa's book is available on Amazon, on Barnes and Noble. It's in some bookstores, live and in person. So listen close. You'll get the details at the end about how to stay connected with her, how to purchase her book. And um, and and that'll kind of set the stage for you as you move now into my conversation with lisa marie rankin i hope you enjoy it
1: hi there hey karen how are you how are you doing i'm doing well that is how are you doing very good i'm so glad that we have this like
0: happenstance our paths crossed i feel like this was sort of just meant to be after all these years i was Trying to actually think, when was the last time I
1: saw you, possibly at the studio? It would have been at the studio, but it would have been a long time ago, because I actually hadn't gone back to that studio since my daughter um, was born, because then I just got busy, and it was just too hard to get to Cambridge. I went to the Cambridge one, although I had been to the Boston one a couple of times. I want to say like 2003 or four. My daughter was born in 2006. So it was just before 2006 yeah. is all I know.
0: That is unbelievable. Well, it's just so interesting. You know, I was also thinking because we've been chatting for a couple of times to get this time set up and I sort of forgot how we found each other again. And now, I'm, um, of course, as we're speaking and before this getting together today, I remembered it's in, in James's
1: group. So I'm just so glad that yeah. I remember seeing your name in a post and I'm like, oh, her name looks so familiar. Right. And then it's like, I'm like, I recognize that name from the Baptist Porter Square, the Baptist.
0: Absolutely. Oh my God. Well, whatever it was, whatever it took, I'm just really glad that we have this chance to, to connect. And I'm super excited to talk about your book and what inspired you to write it. And um, I spent this morning doing a little bit of research and The reviews on Amazon are just fantastic. So I can tell that the book is, you know, really impacting people. So I definitely want to spend some time talking about that. So to begin, maybe what would be helpful is I'll definitely do a little intro separate from this, which I'll tag on to the front. Um, I always, though, like to have the person just speak live off the cuff about themselves and how they got into the area of expertise that they're in. So why don't you just share who you are and and just a little bit about your background,
1: and we can sort of go from there. Sure. That sounds great. Thank you. Well, my name is Lisa Marie Rankin. I'm from the Boston area, and it's interesting. I've actually always been interested in yoga and spirituality to some extent, but that wasn't always my Path. I went to Bentley University. It used to be Bentley College when I was there. And I did more computer information design. I worked in financial services for about 20 years, really designing websites, user experience design. But I've always been very interested in yoga, spirituality, and a couple of years ago, um, I guess it was over three years ago, you know, I, I was just feeling really uninspired. Like it was like just time to make a change. So I left my corporate job, which was really hard to do because it paid really well. And I actually really liked the people there. So no one could understand it. Everyone thought I was having a midlife crisis, but I'm like, I'm just going to take a break, you know, be with the kids for a little bit. And I started to, I'm like, I'm going to write a blog. And I had always wanted to write a blog, but I just never, never did. And I'm like, I'm going to, I had recently gone through a divorce and, you know, I was in my early 40s. So I I think at that time, sometimes when women connect with their 40s, it's kind of a time like, am I really doing what I want to do? Am I really like feeling like authentic? Because now that I work with a lot of women, it seems like a lot of women, like once they start to turn 40, there's kind of a call to come back more to yourself. You might've gotten a little like a little lost along the way. I don't want to say lost, but we get ourselves into whether it's relationships or careers that seem less intentional, maybe as we get older, and we're looking for a little bit more meaning and depth. So I wanted to write a blog and I'm like, I'm going to write about goddesses and how to apply their wisdom to our everyday lives. And it's kind of interesting that I chose to write about goddesses because although I'd always been interested in spirituality, I didn't actually know that much about goddesses other than like what I kind of gleaned from some different yoga classes. But, you know, I had read about Buddhism and I, you know, I listened to Marianne Williamson, of course, in Miracles. And I started to do research and I was just, there was something really that struck me just about all of these beautiful goddesses across different traditions. And when you read about their myths, their qualities, their attributes, it was also so applicable to it seems like what we really needed today. And I thought it would be a really empowering way. Well, one, I'll have to say I started writing for myself to try to make sense of like where I was in life, like what happened with my divorce, what happened with relationships. And it just... It started to provide me with a framework of how to make sense with past, you know, to past events. And I thought it would be really inspiring for our other woman to be able to kind of look and see how these myths, which are thousands of years old, are still very applicable to our everyday lives.
0: Got it. So,
1: yeah.
0: so you're saying you knew about goddesses because I think a lot of even, you know, myself and a lot of my listeners who primarily are yoga teachers might not know about goddesses, even though their 200-hour teacher training covered, you know, fundamental principles of Buddhism and yoga tradition, depending on what training they went to, it might not have been covered at all, if maybe just a little bit. So how how did you develop a background? I mean, you're saying you did some research, but before that, you even
1: had a little bit of knowledge about this topic. I had a little bit of knowledge because there were goddesses that, that I knew of. And I think it must've just been, I mean, I've always been an avid reader, so I can't point to exactly which books. And then once I started to write the blog, you know, I consumed every book, you know, that was basically available on goddesses. So in some ways, very self-educated. Got it. So was the blog, what was sort of the intent of the blog? The intent of the blog was to show how this ancient wisdom and how these goddess archetypes are still very applicable to our lives as women today. So I really tried to write it in a very conversational way where it's like, we can look at these goddesses to help us with divorce financial crises, like sex, relationships, you know, like getting family disagreements. And we can kind of look at these myths and this wisdom to give us a framework for how we might want to persevere or how we might want to approach a situation.
0: Okay. Got it. So tell us, I mean, when I hear goddess, I definitely think of you know, not so much imagination, but mythical and something very old, like in ancient texts and things like that. So can you tell us, especially, you know, for someone like myself, who's not very educated about this, like what is a goddess? And when you talk
1: about this mythical wisdom, what is that all about? Sure. Well, I mean, and it really depends. So, you know, there are some traditions that still celebrate goddesses like Hinduism. And then there's other traditions that are no longer that are no longer active, like the Greek tradition where the goddesses are more of archetypes. But I I usually work with goddesses as an archetype. So they're a pattern of behavior and they represent certain qualities or attributes that we might want to access so I guess one way to look at it is like when we talk about the shadow, like, and I feel like that's kind of a, a big buzzword in the spiritual and community, we're often talking about the negative attributes that we may have, whether it's like jealousy, greed, you know, things like that. But our shadow is all of our unconscious. And we also have all of these beautiful attributes that are really our unlimited potential. So we can look at these goddesses to remember that we have all of the strength and wisdom within us as well too. Like, for example, like if we were going to go through a difficult situation, we could look at the Durga, uh, the goddess Durga from hin- from Hinduism, and she's the goddess of strength, courage, protection. She has eight arms, and she wields all these different weapons, and we learn that she's always calm, she's composed, and she taps into her inner strength, and we can kind of remember that we have our own inner strength, and we have our own weapons, and we can kind of reflect on the goddess, on the archetype, to to kind of cultivate more of those qualities that might have gone dormant in us.
0: Got it. So when you talk about Hinduism and Greek, and I'm sure maybe there might even be some Roman, you know, kind of. Oh, yeah. Celtic.
1: I mean, there's thousands of goddesses. So, you know, African. Yeah. When
0: you go into it, do you sort of blend the different traditions and pick certain ones from different traditions as like. I did. Or something.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's thousands of goddesses, and I'm sure they are all very beautiful. The ones that I've chosen to write about are just the ones that have resonated with me most in my life and the ones that I've done the research on. So, I mean, there's just so many. So, different goddesses will resonate with, you know, with different people as well. Yeah,
0: for sure. So, you're writing, let's, I'm kind of curious how this all ended up in a book because you're writing this blog. I mean, certainly many, many people have blogs, and not everybody gets a contract with HarperCollins to write a book. So (laughs) tell us just from
1: that perspective, how did this sort of snowball into that? So I got an email one day and the subject line was HarperCollins calling, you know, and the editor was like, you know, I I stumbled across your blog and I really loved it. Would you ever be interested in writing a book? And, you know, of course, I was like, yes, I would love to. And I talked to her and we, you know, talked about the different ideas that we had. And then I wrote a proposal for HarperCollins and it came together really pretty quickly. I know I tell people that and everyone's always like, that's unbelievable. You know, that's unbelievable. So it that's was really. Long How long ago was that? It was before COVID. So I must have oh. got that email maybe April 2019. Okay. No, August 2019, because it takes a while with publishing. So
0: Yeah, because I was curious, when did your book come out? April 2021. Okay, got it. Okay, I thought maybe it just came out. So, okay, so you get this email, which is amazing. She stumbled upon your blog. Yes, you can actually write, because I'm sure many people would get that email and be completely daunted by the idea of writing a book. You were not, and you were able to do it, which is amazing um so the book comes out and tell us a little bit about how the book is sort of formatted like what's the point of it does it highlight some of these goddesses tell us a little bit about that and and who is it designed for all women any women women of a certain age give me a sense of that
1: it's really designed for 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 any any woman, I mean, I, I don't know. It's probably definitely more women than men, I would say, because I really touch on kind of more of like the woman's journey and the woman's experience. I like to think it's probably for women like, 35 plus although I definitely have had younger readers reach out to me and tell me that they really inspired it but to me it's really for women who are starting to kind of think about hmm, like is this all there is or like I thought I'd be a little bit happier right now you know or like I kind of did the things that I was supposed to do you know like went to school got the job got married had kids or whatever it is that you thought you were supposed to do and it's like now what so it's really kind of like how do we kind of come back to ourselves remember that we have this this power so one of the reasons that i started writing about goddesses as well too is i noticed that you know after my divorce i was really looking for looking outside of myself a lot, whether it's like looking to date again, looking for men for validation, you know, I'd be like, I'd have a drink or two almost every single night when I would get home from work, I was shopping a lot, overly focused on my appearance. And it was like all of these things, I was looking outside of myself to bring a sense of ease. And it's like, I actually remember thinking like, oh, I really don't feel like a goddess. And that was also what made me think like, well, what does a goddess feel like? So it's also that reminder to women that we don't need to look outside of ourselves for our validation, to feel calm, to feel a sense of ease, that we actually have this power, this strength within us. Got it. Okay. So it sounds like, you know, of course,
0: inspired by your own personal journey, you you looked for messages of empowerment across several different goddess archetypes.
1: Yes. No, I'm sorry. I didn't finish your question. So it's about 38 different goddesses in the book. So they're arranged by goddess. And again, across culture, across tradition. So I cover quite a few and you can either actually, I have it here. You can either read it from front to back or you could just skip to a goddess. So like, for example, there's like a goddess, if you wanted like for a goddess for living in harmony or a goddess for cultivating abundance. So depending on what's going on in your life, you might want to skip to a specific goddess, or you could almost just open up the book and kind of assume whatever goddess you get. That's what you need to learn about that day.
0: Got it. Okay. So, so how, uh, first of all, I I definitely want you to share maybe a couple of themes, some of these goddesses, because I somehow remember um, some references to I mean, it sounds like part of what you're speaking of is kind of the lesson we can learn from the goddess. Is there also kind of a story of the goddess, like, you know, especially the ones when you look at their appearance and their appearance is a certain way, isn't there sort of like a story behind why that is? So I'd love to hear, you know, maybe one or two of those to give us a sense of you know, diving in a little bit to what some of these are about. I know you've alluded to some of it, but is there one or two that you could maybe share with us a little bit more on?
1: Sure. Um, so Kali, the Hindu goddess of transformation and breaking through the status quo, she's probably one of the best examples for seeing what a goddess would look like and like their representation, whether it's a statue or uh, however it's depicted in maybe like an oracle card. Because I often- you know that- K-A-L-I. Okay, got it.
0: Okay, keep going.
1: Yeah. So often when we think of goddesses, I mean, I think we often maybe think of somebody like Aphrodite, like this, you know, beautiful goddess with long hair, sexy body. Now, Kali is like truly fearsome looking. She's dark blue. She has disheveled hair. She has like blood dripping from her mouth. She wears baby skeletons as earrings and she has like this belt of severed arms. And she's really, really fierce and she's a little scary. But they also say Kali is the mother that loves you the most. And also, we you think of the goddesses as like love or creativity. And Kali is the goddess of destruction. And really, what I like to think about Kali is she might be the energy we feel when bad things happen, whether it's a divorce, maybe losing your job, maybe it's getting a bad health diagnosis. And really what she's doing, though, is clearing down outworn structures that are no longer serving your growth. So you have the opportunity to rebuild your life in a way that might be more authentic to you. So just like there's creation, we also need destruction. So she's really that force where she wants you to live life fully. So when you're in that stale marriage or when you're in that uninspiring job and things start crashing down, that's Kali.
0: Okay, interesting. And where does she connect to? Is she a Hindu? She's a Hindu goddess. Okay, got it. All right. So this is cool. Give
1: give us another one. I love hearing the descriptions. Sure. So White Tara, which is a Tibetan Buddhist goddess, she is also, um, she's a beautiful goddess and she has eyes all over her I can't remember the exact number I feel like they're one two three maybe eight eyes so she has her two eyes and then the feet and hands and she's just really a beautiful goddess because it's like giving and nurturing and she's a bodhisattva so really she's like looking at everyone to eliminate suffering in the world and to promote healing
0: okay very cool so now that you've given us these two examples tell us tell me from like a practical perspective. And again, you sort of alluded to this before, but now that we have some real examples, I wanna understand it more. So I'm living my life, I have some challenge I'm facing and I can use the book to sort of look for a goddess that might resonate with me in terms of maybe their appearance, maybe what they stand for. And then how do I take that information and sort of use it, sort of activate it in my way of being so that I can
1: benefit from the wisdom? How do I? I Sure. So I think part of it is just really understanding the goddess and understanding her qualities and attributes, and just remembering that you have those too. So just like we have the shadow with Kind of more of the negative. I hate to even say negative, but the less desirable attributes. We also have these, all of these other beautiful call, qualities as well. So, uh, psychoanalyst Carl Jung had really he kind of defined the shadow in the term the collective unconscious, and he has this beautiful quote that's like, you know, the world of gods and spirits is truly nothing but the collective unconscious within me. So we can look at these goddesses and just say, because they exist, we have that power too. So that's one way. It's just, and I think just recognizing that those are available to you and it's something that, you know, you might not fail right away, but you can develop. And then in the book, I have meditations and journaling inquiries to start to kind of tap in and pull out like these failings where it's getting you to think a little bit, maybe in a different way than you normally would. Like maybe remembering something that you've overcome in the past or, you know, looking at what is the situation? You just got some bad news. What, what, Is it going to allow you to do that you weren't able to do before so as far as kind of inquiries of how you might want to reframe the situation or how you might want to kind of tap into those powers of the goddess that you do have to.
0: Yeah, I I really like that, especially when you use the word reframe i'm a big um, NLP lover. I love neuro-linguistic programming Mm -hmm. and reframing is such a big part of that. And certainly the languaging that we use is always a tell as to how we're framing things in a particular moment. And I know when I coach yoga teachers, I really listen closely to the way they talk about their teaching, talk about the struggles they're having, talk about, you know, whatever we're talking about in our coaching session. And anytime I offer a reframe, it's like a big light bulb comes over their head. Like, oh, I never thought to think of it like that. And so this, it's just interesting to me that you're using reframing in the context of the lessons we can pull from these goddesses. And I think that is super valuable because when you are in a problem, you can only see it through the lens of how you're experiencing it. And it's oftentimes, when you work with a coach, or you maybe pull up your book, and you're looking at the lessons from these goddesses that you see another way you see another option. Do you find that that's something that when you work with people is part of the value of sharing this info?
1: Oh, yes, definitely. And I'm glad you said that, because I mean, I guess that's really part of the intent, too, is how do we reframe the situation through a different lens? And it's like, how do we cultivate the belief that things are happening for us and not to us? And that, you know, that it's all a learning experience. I mean, part part of it, too, is, you know, recognizing that you're a divine being of light and that, you know, you have more powers. And as you said, with like NLP, like I tell the women in my community or my clients, it's like, with the words you use, you're casting mini spells all day long, right? Like you're creating yeah. it. It's taking that power back and believing that you actually have control over your reality. And yeah. the goddesses are creatrix. Like you are creating it from moment to moment. So yes, there's a lot of things that are outside of our control, but that's okay. We we can work with what's in our control. We have the opportunity to interpret them any way we want. So wouldn't right. it be better to interpret them with a more empowering perspective?
0: Right. No, I. I... Totally agree. I also, um, I think too, I, I'm a big fan of Ryan Holiday, who writes books. Oh, me too. On, yeah, on stage yeah. And all of that is Roman history. And I had no idea until I started following him and bought one of his books, all of the wisdom around exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Not trying to control what you can't control, trying to control what you can control. And um, so I, I think that's super valuable. I even... You know, in my conversations with teachers, even when we have um, taught when we cover topics like my classes aren't big enough, what can I do to increase the number of people in my classes, I get into a conversation with them about you can't control people coming to your class. That's not within your, you can't make people come to your class. You can only control within you, how you show up, how you interact with the people who are there and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just interesting that idea of what can we control? Um, Not only is it in themed in lots of different places, like here we're talking Stoicism is Roman and all of this speaking of is Hindu and maybe a little Roman, maybe a little Greek. But it's so powerful when you can reframe for someone that issue of control even when it seems like you know god forbid you get a a diagnosis as you say that's not you know directly within your control i mean you got it now what can you do that's in your control to you know make it a different situation where you're not feeling like this is happening to me and that can really empower people. So anyway, sorry, I went off there on a little tangent. Oh, no,
1: it's great. Oh,
0: yeah. So I'd be curious, and you've mentioned this a couple of times. I want to go into this a little bit more because, uh, and when I looked on your website, I see that you do offer some coaching services for women, I'm guessing, primarily. Yes. So tell me a little bit about how did that come to be? How how do those sessions go? What kinds of people are coming to you? How do you leverage what's in the book to work with people? What is that?
1: Sure. So many of the women who come to me, so I, I would say I'm definitely focused more on the spiritual woman because, you know, I write about goddesses. I'm also a student of Ayurveda. So Ayurveda is a big part of my coaching. So some of it is more life coaching and some of it is more wellness coaching. I really like to think that they're like inextricably linked, at least in my world, you know, I always say, well, I don't always say it. one of my teacher, Katie Silcox says it is that feminine spirituality begins in the body. So that's really where we're starting. Like, you know, I mean, how do you feel in your body? Do you feel healthy? Are you digesting your food? You know, are you getting a good night's sleep? Because it's really hard to have a good mindset and be able to reframe when you feel like crap. Right. So it's really a process of like what we're going to be going through as far as like, let's work on how you're feeling in the body. Like, let's get you feeling healthy and strong. Then we can start working on the mindset. What situations do we need to reframe? And then there's spirit is a big part, too, because I think the spirit comes back is like, you know, h- how do you cultivate a sense that, the world is happening for you and not to you. And how do you rely on a higher power? And it's any higher power that you want. It could be nature, God, goddess, you know, anything that resonates with you. So you feel that you're being guided and that your life has meaning as well. So it's really body, mind and spirit, I would say is very much my approach to coaching.
0: Yeah, I forgot about the Ayurvedic part, although I knew it from reading about your background. I just take a little tangent here. Tell us a little bit about how you got into that and how, how do you live in a way that's consistent with Ayurvedic principles and how do you coach people around how to implement things into their life
1: from Ayurveda? Sure. So I, I had known about Ayurveda for, you know, I've done yoga for a very long time, you know, since probably like, 1999 or 2000. So, and I did go through teacher training in like 2017. So, I, but I, so I've always known about Ayurveda. And then in 2016, I actually have this book right near me because I am about to do a book club on it Healthy, Happy, Sexy by Katie Silcox. And I was reading it. And this was also like right shortly after my divorce. And the way that she had written about it and about how it's really, connecting to a more natural way of living. So connecting to the natural rhythms of your body, to the seasons, even though I think Ayurveda sometimes can sound very esoteric. Once you start to understand it, it's just amazingly practical. Like why wouldn't we be changing our diet and our self-care practices with the seasons? Like why would I be having, you know, cold smoothies and raw salads like, you know, in the winter? And of course, but sometimes we just don't think of it. So it's kind of that remembering and actually I feel like Ayurveda is it's almost there is the learning something new but when you learn it it is almost like you're remembering because it is this like innate wisdom that just makes so much sense So I devoured this book and you know I really started to apply the principles you know I I went on her website I went to her mailing list and then it was she, you know then I was on her mailing list and she had like this school of Ayurveda feminine form Ayurveda and Tantra and I was like, there's a school for this? And it was almost like a no brainer for me. I just immediately joined and signed up for that. So I went through the wellness coach training, which was year one, and then the health counselor cha- training, which was the year two. And it's just um, it's just been really beautiful. I just love, I love the system. Um, the way that I integrate it in my life is with Dina Charya, and that's your morning routine. And Dinacharya, or your daily routine is really important in Ayurveda because it's, you know, it's the thought that the morning and the evening or dusk and dawn are these liminal times where the veil between spirit and matter is at its thinnest. And those are the times we want to protect our consciousness. And I feel like especially in this age of information overwhelm, and I am also the biggest like consumer, I'm always on the computer, you know, doing my stuff it's like, we need to separate from that. We need to kind of take care of ourselves, our mind, body, spirit. So there's a set of practices that Ayurveda offers for what your morning routine could look like, what your evening routine can look like. Again, these seasonal self-care practices. So all of these beautiful practices that really connect you with your body and your sense of spirit.
0: Mm -hmm. I, I, that idea, I've never heard it um, stated in that way about the there's the thin, what did you say? The thinnest.
1: The veil um, between like, yes, spirit and matter is at its thinnest during those oh times. God.
0: I, that just gives me chills. And it's so true for me more in the morning than in the evening. Yeah. But I live with someone who has no mindset around this. So he'll come down in the morning to <laughs> blast ESPN or not even be out of bed and be blasting CNN when I'm trying to get ready. And it's just, I think that's always, a challenge when your partner does not have the same appreciation for this concept. And I'm always like, I'm trying to just kind of enter the day in a safe, you know, not safe way, but in like a very intentional way. And I don't want outside influences. So I yeah. totally appreciate that. So the type of people that come to you for coaching, um, what what are they looking to do? Or what, what is like the problem that they have that I mean, without getting into confidentiality issues, but just in general, what are the kinds of things that motivate people to contact you?
1: A lot of times they're just looking for more ease in their lives and they know that they need to be healthier and, And they're having a hard time establishing a routine. So sometimes they know what they're doing, but they need a little bit more encouragement as well, too. And a lot of times it's mindset that gets in the way. So we do work a lot with like the inner critic. Like I have a lot of women tell me like, oh, I don't even know why I'm starting. I know I'm not going to be able to finish it. So it's kind of just helping helping women and guiding them on on their path. So I do offer this 10-week program. It's called Radiant Goddess, where we go through like the Ayurvedic fundamentals and each week Week, they have a new habit that they're going to learn. I call them radiance rituals. I think that's a lot prettier than habits. And they learn and they start to build it. So they're starting to build their Jinacharya, kind of one habit at a time, and really incorporating like Ayurveda, all of the Ayurveda practices, but also the sense of the divine feminine, like a really kind of connecting to more of like this intuitive, creative, Mm. and more relaxed state of being, Mm. which I think we really need because we have a very we live in a very masculine culture where it's go, go, go. We got to check things off the list. And I'm the biggest type A person of all. So I know, I know that, but it's like, all right, how, how do we take like, uh, where it's not so much progress, but it's like, we're focused on how we're failing, not what we're, what we're doing all the time.
0: Yeah. You know, it, as you're talking, it, it, and even some of the things you said before, it, it makes me think about, you know, is there something about certain people that they always sort of can reframe things on their own and sort of see things from the perspective of um, things are not happening to me. In other words, I, I, I can live at cause to create what I want. And are there other people that it's just so much harder for them to do that, you know, because I'm always sort of, I've done a lot of personal work. And so I really have learned, have had to learn how to sort of undo certain thought patterns. And so I'm able now to catch myself and correct myself before I downward spiral. And, And at the same time, it's time, it's interesting to me when I observe other people, or when I work with teachers in my program, or even just in different facebook groups i'm in just this sense of people being sort of really attached to that negative perspective and even a lot of the wording they choose i'm really struggling right now oh this hasn't worked out and you know even when you know we're in the same business facebook group so a lot of the verbiage there yeah is very striking to me in terms of you know oh i just attempted something for the first time And it didn't work out. Therefore, this means, you know, I'm a failure. It's never going to work. Do you think that everyone sort of had anyone has the capacity to reframe things, to learn how to do that and to sort of reset their inner temperature to be more maybe temperatures, but not the right word, but to reset their way of being to a higher frequency? So they're not, is that
1: possible for for everyone? That's a really good question. I would like to believe that it's possible for everyone, though I totally understand what you're saying. And I would say the women in my community have already gotten to the point where they're like, I believe that I create my reality and I'm going to choose to believe this way. So I think people who haven't got there yet, I mean, I think they probably need to do deeper work with a therapist, which I am not. So I, I would like to think that all people, but then it's like, you know, I look at some people in my family and that you know, and right. they're, you know, there, everything is happening to them, you know, right. and there's not, I don't know if there's the desire or if they even see that there is another way of perceiving the situation or trying to take yeah. accountability. I, I'm yeah. not sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. And I mean, we could probably yeah. go on for a while. <laughs> I, I certainly think it does depend on what you're exposed to, which I think so much of, you know, so much of how we perceive things can be influenced by who we're hanging around with and the kinds of influences so much coming to us. Like I always say to Ben, I wonder if I looked at your Instagram versus my Instagram, or I was talking about something that came up on my TikTok and he goes, I haven't even heard about that whole thing. I'm like, yeah, that's because your feed is probably completely different from mine. Your algorithm on TikTok and mine is I'm sure totally different, which would be kind of an interesting experiment to like pull up your partner's phone and maybe, maybe not. I not know. I know. Or not, yeah. Know. So, okay. So are you at this point, like I know you mentioned you were working for a long time and you left your corporate job. Are you
1: doing this kind of full-time coaching people and promoting
0: your book and that sort of I thing? I
1: am. I'm doing this full-time now. So I have a couple of group programs. I'm doing coaching. I do a lot of workshops. I still, I teach yoga as well. So. Oh, nice. Very nice.
0: Awesome. So, okay. So yeah, let's just, I'd love to, especially for people listening who, I mean, again, most of my listeners are yoga teachers, although I think a lot of what you're doing sort of piggybacks that, even though you're not teaching yoga, the conceptual ideas of what you're doing and how you're sharing information certainly can translate. I also have some yoga teachers that I speak with who, you know, they are interested in doing some kind of group programming, maybe it's a little heavier on the yoga side than the coaching side. But so can you tell us a little bit about just kind of putting your business hat on how you started some of those programs? I mean, I assume you, you know, you came from the corporate world. So you didn't have that sort of experience as an independent entrepreneur, you wrote this book, maybe the course offerings and the working with people individually came after the fact. How did you sort of develop that business yourself?
1: That is a good question, and it's um, it it does, it, as you know, it takes some time to do. <laughs> it's um, but I would say for people starting out, I think the biggest thing is getting yourself out there. And I remember like posting on Instagram, like it was right before I left my job, and I knew kind of the direction that I wanted to go. And I didn't have the bookdale, but I wanted to start doing more with yoga and spirituality and like literally belaboring a post thinking like is this too corny is this this what if this person from high school that was mean to me like sees this you know and it's and it's like we think so much about this and like so first the biggest advice is like unless you're gonna to find your voice you have to use it start putting things out there starts don't worry about the reaction in fact if you're not getting some negative reaction, it's probably not interesting enough, you know, so don't worry about being a little bit of polarizing and just building a community. I did a lot of free challenges that I was just kind of talking about on Instagram or Facebook. Then I opened up a private Facebook group. It was goddess wisdom for modern women. I still have that where I would do my free challenges. And I really focused mostly on just kind creating this community and kind of understanding like the type of people that were drawn to me, the type of people that wanted to learn from me and what it is that they were struggling with and what they wanted to learn. Got it. Okay. And so from
0: that, and I think that's great advice and it sort of speaks to when you were mentioning before, just kind of, when you were talking about building that morning routine, just the importance of just continuing to do it, just continuing like that is the habit. The habit is the habit of continuing to show up and Every day, there's that compound interest effect that it gets a little easier. The benefits come a little easier. So I totally agree with that. Um, so, so from that perspective that you just shared, what was kind of the path to starting your own offering? You, you started with individual coaching and then you went to group.
1: I actually started with group, which was not the way that most people go about it. And I'm not sure if that was the most efficient way either, but I had the book coming. So I'm like, oh, well, I have to create something. You know, I want to create something that goes with the book. So my first group program was basically called the Goddess Solution Masterclass after my book, where we went through five different goddesses and talked about them as an archetype. And we did some energy, you know, we went through... Really, I say it's Myth, Ayurveda, and Ancient and Modern Practices. So it was really kind of a self-development program. So I started with that because I wanted to have an offering that went with my book that we could dive deeper into some of those concepts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Although for most people, I think it would be better probably to start with individual coaching and really kind of get to understand like what it is that people, what problems they actually want solved.
0: Right. 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 Yeah. I can imagine as I hear you describing the group program and even the title, I can imagine there's a big draw for that. I feel like it's got a a little bit of a mystical aspect to it where it would pique people's curiosity. curiosity, And then it's got a bit of a self-help aspect to it, which would speak to people, you know, just, there just seems to be endless interest and well, in just self-improvement. I mean, you know, you just go to a bookstore. If you go to a live bookstore these days and go to the self help section, you see all the different books in that section. It's to me, just in hearing you describe it, I would think you have good traction
1: with the topic. Do you find that? Well, that's actually, this might be good for your listeners doing it. I felt like I got Okay, traction, but I think the challenge that I had with that group is that I wasn't really clear on the transformation. So it combines all of those things like the mystical elements and self improvement, but I wasn't clear that at the end, you'll have this. So with my most recent program, which is Ayurveda-based, that we can work on something tangible. Like, this is how you're going to, you're going to have more energy. You're going to digest your food better. You're going to have a flatter stomach. You're going to feel more at ease. And I think people can get around that. So I would say for your audience who are thinking of programs, because like I said, I thought like my goddess program was like the greatest thing. And we often think our programs are the greatest things, but unless you can like really articulate. So, you know, I've been thinking actually lately about how I want to reformat, remessage that. So it gives, gives people something more specific that they understand that they're going to get at, at the end of it.
0: Got it. Yeah. I mean, I hear what you're saying. There's kind of the objective changes that would be part of a transformation that come from the Ayurveda side of things. And then there's more the spiritual and way of being changes that come from the lessons from the goddesses, those yeah. might be a little bit harder to talk about in objective terms, although they are just as impactful.
1: They yeah. are, it's just, I think it's it's harder, I think, for sometimes for people to understand the investment if it's not like, well, what specifically will change?
0: Right, right, right.
1: Um, Do you have anyone, I'm just thinking,
0: anyone that you, I mean, you've talked about your own personal journey and how you've leaned into the lessons from the goddesses to help you. Is there anyone that comes to your mind that you've worked with that you could just give us a brief synopsis of kind of where the person was when they started working with you and how they ended up and, and sort of how you work with them? Like, just to give us an idea of how you're using these different tools from Ayurveda and goddesses to kind of coach somebody from where they are when they first get in touch with you to at some point when they say, thank you so much.
1: (laughs) Sure. Yeah. And one of my clients um, was really struggling with emotional eating. And, you know, part of it was she, she had a young daughter and she, she would always, she would make these great meals for her family, but then she would just kind of just eat throughout the day as well. She didn't feel that she was like, when we really got that, it was a sense of self-worth. And she actually even like, you know, had some experiences while we were coaching when she would go back home to her family. And, you know, there was like almost this sense of wanting to eat more. So really kind of like looking, and this was, sort of the inner child work that we had done together is like really understanding like, well, what's that part of you that feels that, you know, you're not worthy of eating the healthy meal or taking time to make yourself a nice lunch. Cause that was one of the other things too. She's like, I just don't feel like if I'm not cooking for my family, then I don't deserve, you know, then I should just eat something quickly. And like, I don't shouldn't be able to sit down and have a nice salad or something good. So really working with that. And that was a really... There were there were practical applications, but it was also a very much of a spiritual journey as well as kind of looking at the self worth and doing a lot of the way I work with a lot of my clients, too, is because I think. I think there's definitely value in doing the work, looking at how we got to where we got, like whether it's the inner child or however we got to where we got. But I I think the more powerful exercise is well, who do you want to become? Like, what's that version of you, and how do we get you there? So, it's nice to know where we get our hangups and whatnot, right? But it's more of like, how do we paint a picture for how you want to evolve and what you want your life to be like? And that's really what we did. And we kept that picture in mind. And, you know, we worked on different different tools, different ways of eating, like setting out a nice placemat, really taking your time to like eat mindfully, doing tapping exercises to validate the worthiness. And then she really ended you know, went on to lose weight and she started her own home yoga program for kids and moms and stuff. So that was really beautiful. That's yeah, that's great. It sort of reminds
0: me um, the, the book I have like dog-eared along with Marianne Williamson's Return to Love is... uh, I think it's called The Guide to Neuro-Linguistic Programming by uh, John Hubar is his name. And it's sort of like the eminent book on NLP. And he has since passed away, but the book's been, I think, even republished after his death. And he talks about, and I've talked about it on the show here, the well-formed outcome, which speaks to exactly what you're talking about. So yes, we can sort of acknowledge the past and it's interesting and probably even important that we understand how that affects how we are today. Mm -hmm. Also, and almost more importantly, how are you going to get to where you want to get to? And the well-formed outcome, which I've taken many teachers through, um, is, is the defining of the process. So you're sort of not laboring and languishing in the shadow concept and all of that. You're kind of getting down to brass tacks. And I remember in several um, one-on-ones I've had with teachers where I take them through that process. One of the questions, the well-formed outcome is what is preventing you right now to do what you want to do? And almost every time I ask that question, people burst into tears because they realize that the reasons they are throwing out there that are the nose to the things that they want to do or ways of being that they want to embody are such garbage
1: that- I just got chills just you saying that, that garbage garbage.
0: because it is, it's just and such it a- Amazing to me when I take people through these, uh, through this well-formed outcome exercise and I always offer it as a one-on-one just for free if people want to do it because it's so interesting to see, I mean, it's interesting for me, but for the person to be taken through this kind of five question interview, and it is exactly what you say, it's coming up with that action plan that allows you to then get tactical with what are the steps I need to be taking and after you, and as you start to implement those steps, your feelings start to change. It's kind of yeah. like the action is changing the feelings rather than let me change the feelings first and then hope that I have the motivation to act. It's sort of going at it in a way that some people might say is backwards. Would you? Yeah,
1: actually I approach it with like, let's do the actions first, you know? And it's like, we need to, we need to build some momentum. Like, don't worry about how you feel right now. (laughs) Like, let's like, let's let's move forward because yeah, your, your actions inform your failings. And we actually have a little more control over that. So why wouldn't we start there? But yeah, I really love that way of approaching it. Yeah. And I sort of feel
0: like you know, I have a social work background, and I've worked in different capacities as a social worker, but I'm definitely not considered a therapist, and I would not hold myself out there as a therapist, and I feel like, you know, for someone like yourself, someone like me, we do coaching with people, but as you said before, it's not therapy. Our professional scope of practice does not include therapy, and so in this way, you're sort of working with people around action steps, and along the way, if some feelings come up, well, you can talk about them, but it's not like you're starting with the feelings, which I certainly know from being in therapy. I know from family members in my family being in therapy, they're going to talk about their feelings. Like the therapist is not often, unless they're a cognitive therapist, going to go sit down with them and say, let's come up with an action plan. They're going to say, tell me about your childhood. You know, (laughs) they're qualified to sort of deal with the kinds of things that come up. If you go at it from the other way, like we're doing, you're basically saying, okay, I see you're in a problem scenario. Let's talk about where you want to get just objectively. Let's come up with some steps to get there. And then inevitably along the way, some feelings will come up. So I can imagine your, your folks that you are doing this one-on-one with are going through something like that.
1: Yes, definitely. I mean, one of the first exercises that you know I, I lead my students in my group programs and my one-on-ones with is really... Like a sankalpa so it's like creating this intention from your heart of like what what is it that you want your life to be or how do you want to fail you know and really kind of setting this intention like you know we do it like it's in the present moment we're acting you know we're saying it as if it already happens but creating this vision of like you've enrolled in the program or you've signed up for coaching like what what do you want like how do we get that because i think that's a big part like if we don't start something with intention Where are we going? So really defining that, and then we also have I have some like meditations where we are visualizing this future self. Like I like to call it like the inner goddess. Like in five years, like where are you living? Who's in your life? Like even like what are you wearing? You know what's your energy like? Like how do we start bringing those down to today? To like your point, like what's stopping you from you know from being like this now? Like yes, you might not have the house in Costa Rica that's actually my vision, but you know, like, how can we start bringing like that energy and, you know, that, that vibe and the attitude today?
0: Ah, very true. Okay. So, all right. So as we sort of wrap up here, tell us a little bit, I want to cover two final things. I want to know a little bit about kind of where you're going from this point forward. And then I also want you to share with the listeners how they can get in touch with you, how they can find out more about what you offer, because I bet there are people listening who are thinking, wow, this sounds really interesting. And or I really feel in need of this kind of coaching. So why don't you start with telling us kind of where, I mean, we're t- almost towards the end of this year. I know people tend to start at the beginning of the year with new ideas, but give us an idea of kind of where you see things going for your programs and
1: well, I'm just continuing to build my community, build my program. So um, this the Radiant Goddess, my 10-week Ayurveda program, I'll be launching that again early in the new year. We're wrapping up this first cohort, which I think went really well from the feedback that I'm getting so far. Um, I also am working on a book, kind of putting together all of the teachings from that program as well too. That will be a little further out as books take a little bit longer time to develop that, but that's also something that I want to offer. I want to, as I mentioned, you know, still continue trying to bring in the goddess wisdom as well. So there'll definitely be like opportunities to, to work with me with goddess wisdom as well. There'll be other programs for that. So really continuing with what I am doing and just being able to go a little bit deeper, build the community. It's really my goal to have this community where women can get that sense of spirituality and get that sense of meaning and really understanding that it starts with them and starts with caring for your body, feeling good, making skillful decisions and doing things that turn you on and light you up. Like that's really what it's about. It's more this feminine approach to self-care, which is not like you must drink water and do this. And it's just like, okay, how am I going to really care for this one divine body that I have been fortunate enough to, to receive for this lifetime? Right. Right. I love that.
0: So, okay. So tell us one final thing. How do
1: people connect with you? I know you're on Instagram. Tell us what your handle is on Instagram. Sure. On Instagram, it's at Rankin. And okay. my website is lisamarierankin.com. And that has all of my different programs, ways to connect with me. I have workshops every six weeks for each of the seasonal celebrations, like Samhain is coming up. So I, there's a lot of things that I offer. I offer a lot of book clubs, which is an amazing community of women. Right now we're reading If Women Rose Rooted. We'll read If Women Who Run With the Wolves, the start of the new year. So cool. lots, of, and those lots are of great things.
0: Virtual book clubs.
1: Yes, virtual book clubs.
0: Awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah, I love that whole vibe of a book club. It's just such a cool, such a cool thing.
1: Well, it's a great well, way to I... raise the conversation too, where right. we get to like kind of talk about like kind of deeper themes and you might talk about when you run into someone at trader joe's you know you get to go i I
0: saw one of the reviews on your book page on amazon was a woman saying we read this in our book club and everybody loved it so that that's such a nice i'm sure it's such a nice feeling for you to think these folks are gathering together to read your book and have your book be the topic of conversation in the book club so congratulations that's a huge accomplishment and uh you must feel really good about that and it's great to kind of get all these empowering messages out to women all over and since you're doing things virtually all over the globe which is
1: it which really is fun. yeah and that's that's fantastic so really cool.
0: yeah well i'm so glad we had this chance to reconnect after many many years <laughs> <I know. laughs> kind of happened in you know sometimes you have to go far out to kind of come back to the people you have right in your community so I I know isn't that interesting yeah (laughs) Yeah. we kind of connected in a random way but yet we've known each other for many many years and I don't know if it weren't and don't live far from each other either right that's what I'm saying but for that group out in the ether of Facebook even though we're geographically (laughs) close, how would we have potentially crossed paths who knows Um, yeah so I'm really grateful that we have and I know this will be the springboard For keeping in touch, and you know, maybe we can do something webinar related together. Oh, I love that something along those lines. I always love when I have people on the podcast, and it just sparks different ideas. Once I speak with them, I'm like, "Oh, that would be a good, you know, idea," or this person would be a good person to do something with um, along the lines of future programming. So, I would love to stay in touch and, and continue the conversation and talk about what we could do together in the future.
1: I would love that as well. Awesome! Yes, thank awesome, you. Awesome.
0: So, okay. So today is
1: Friday. This will go live on Monday. So great. Have- I'll send it out to my community. yes yeah, So and- you will
0: this link. There's no. I like to have the combo and get it out there. So it's very fresh, and the information is, you know, provided in the now, and it posts in the now, and so yeah. So I'll send that to you on Monday, and yeah, share it with your your
1: great. And so I was going to say sorry for the delay in getting you the book. I had a crazy week oh. with like the kids last week. I am so bad with the post office things, but it is coming your way for some, so, anything that I have to actually do that like that's not email or yeah, computer. Yeah.
0: I, for teachers in my program, I have hard copy things to send them an anatomy manual and a progress manual. And it's always like the pilgrimage to the post office. Like, okay, <laughs> I have to go like, you know, please have this go well and pack everything up. And especially live <laughs> out of the country, I'm filling out the customs forms and everything, but I always, I make it like a pilgrimage. I'm going to go to the post office. I'm going to go to Starbucks after I'm going to, you know. <laughs> oh, I love it it yeah. a process. So, and then that's what it is. But, um, but of course send it and I can't wait to get it and read it. And also tell the one last thing, tell the listeners how they get your book, I guess, Amazon, is that the primary
1: way people? Oh yes. Um, they can primarily Amazon Barnes and Noble. It is at a few retailers. It's at Kripalu. Um, but probably com is your best bet. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Fantastic. All right. Well, we will talk soon. I'll send this off to you Monday. And thank you again so much. And um, I'll hopefully
1: talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye -bye. Bye bye.
0: Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to this latest episode. And thank you so much for being part of my community and for spending some time with me here on the show. I wanted to wrap up this episode with just a quick note. I have a brand new recorded workshop workshop page, and I'm really excited to offer you an opportunity to watch recorded workshops whenever you want. I have the first installment of a workshop on the page on the website, and it is a short workshop all about how to give effective cues. And so all you need to do to watch this free workshop is go to my website, barebonesyoga.com, and you'll see the listing in the dropdown for recorded workshops. When you click that page, you'll see on that page the link to sign up to watch that recorded workshop. I'll be adding more workshops in the future to this page. And it's a way that you can access educational and growth information for teachers without having to make a workshop at a particular time. I love to get together with teachers live, both in person and of course online, which is where I'm doing most of my interaction with teachers right now. However, I appreciate that sometimes people can't make a workshop or the time doesn't work for them or they're in a different time zone. So I want you to know that this page can be a resource for you so that as you're out there and you have questions about different things, or you have maybe a half an hour or 45 minutes that you wanna devote to your continuing education as a teacher, you can just go to my website, pull up this recorded workshops page, and there will be resources there for you to take a look at. And all of the workshops that I share are all designed at number one, giving you information and number two, giving you the skills that come from getting that information. It doesn't do you any good if I'm just giving you information on anatomy. If I don't show you how you can use it in your teaching to grow as a teacher, to grow your impact, then it's really not very useful. So all my workshops will have that dual focus sharing a little bit, and then showing you how to apply it. So I hope you'll check that out. If you have any questions or feedback, definitely let me know. Just send me an email, karen at barebonesyoga.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. And I look forward to hearing from you. Namaste.